Good afternoon, everyone. Today's scripture comes from the book of Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 17 to 32. Ephesians, chapter 4, verses 17 through 32. Can you all please stand with me for the reading of God's word? So I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do, in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with a continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self, which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds, and to put on the new self created to be like God in the, right, in the true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbor, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry. Do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer, but must work, doing something useful with his own hands, that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, and whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to, every, to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. This is the word of the Lord. Hello, everybody. It's good to see you. Uh, welcome back to some of our college students that are on fall break. And I just want to give two really short announcements before we go into the word today. And the first one is really great. Um, you see here before me and yourselves the elements. And starting from today, our own leaders can pass the elements. So you'll see pastors and deacons uh, that we have ordained holding the elements. So that's very exciting, very happy. Um, and of course, I always want to say thank you especially today to Reverend Bay, who's going to be administering the elements. Can we give him a hand for coming here? Thank you. He's a real nice guy too, so you can talk to him after. <laughs> but, um, and the second announcement is, you may or may not have heard, uh, we, for the last three years, have been going about a process of leaving the denomination and in search for another reformed denomination. We were previously in the PCUSA, and now we are in the process. For the last three years, we were in the process of trying to leave. And the process that we were undertaking was called the gracious dismissal policy. Gracious dismissal policy, which meant that both sides, both the denomination and we as a church, would go about it as peacefully as possible. Um, within the past week, uh, relations have broken down to a certain degree and we wanted to respond not in the degree that they have responded but we wanted to respond continually in this peaceful mentality and attitude this is what God has taught us but we don't just want to sit there we want to really gather to pray the whole church 
is now gathering to pray. And you've heard it in the announcements, but every day a group in the church is coming to pray. And we have decided to take up the slot of Wednesday. And so Wednesday night, I want to invite you here. It's just going to be exactly one hour from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m. And afterwards, we're going to have a little snack section in the back so we can have fellowship. But from 8 p.m. to 9 p.m., we want to focus all our prayers about um, this uh, leaving uh, the denomination so we can maintain it being gracious, that we can maintain it being peaceful. And um, so I think we are in a mode of urgency. So I urge you to come join us in prayer. Not only that, uh, in the back after service, you'll see in the table as you leave to the left side, there's a sign-up sheet. A lot of us, not just in the EM, but also the KM, we've all signed up to fast one meal, two meals, three days. But there is a sign-up sheet in the back, and all the leaders are also going to be putting their names on it as well, as well as myself. If you would like to take out a slot, just write your name in the slot so that I can also pray for you as you fast, as we all fast. And so the, the fasting slots are only for the next two weeks. I encourage you to do more than one meal. But let's pray through this together. Because we really want to be a church that follows Christ, that continues to give glory to God, but stands in his word as it is truth and the ultimate truth. Um, So with that being said, please continue to pray. We are in the book of Ephesians. And Ephesians is fascinating. I mean, I'm not just saying that because I'm a Bible nerd, but I think it's for all Christians. And last week someone came up to me and said, you know what? There's so much in Ephesians. Like if when we read it and you expounded the passage, there was even so much more. I'm like, exactly. There is so much more. And it's so rich and it's so good for our church that we hear it. And you can't help but to think that all the things that we are going through as a church, as a ministry, you see Ephesians really helping, encouraging the church. And it's almost too perfect of what we are going through and what Ephesians is saying to us. And I can only say that is God. That's the spirit of God blessing our church, working through its members and revealing his word to us. That's an incredible grace. That's incredible blessing. And so all glory be to God if it speaks to you. All glory be to God because it speaks to our church. And in this passage last week, we had talked about unity and how we had to maintain unity. And it's interesting, it's so interesting that right after we talked about unity, there would be a move to try to break up the church. So we need to continue to read God's word, hold it fast, and follow through it. And Paul continues after saying maintain the unity. If you remember the illustration I gave was from Gladiator. It said hold the line. Hold the line, stay with me. Hold the line, stay with me. Hold the line, stay with Christ. Christ is our head, we are his body. And now Paul goes on to say, So, so I tell you this, and insist on it in the Lord, that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do. And so now we're going into a part of something like instruction. So all of chapter 1 to the beginning of chapter 4 is encouraging the church, telling it to be united, showing the power and goodness and love of God, the heights, the depths, the width, the length 
of God's love to us. And now we are about to go into even more excitingly the instruction. But before that, he says, don't live like the Gentiles do. What does that mean? It means that we as Christians are not chameleons. Not comedians, because I like being a comedian. But we as Christians are not chameleons. Chameleons are an amazing species of a lizard that can adapt their appearance to match their surroundings. So they stay camouflaged and invisible, almost virtually invisible to predators. Chameleons are just, you know, just fascinating creatures. But the thing is, we as Christians are not chameleons. Meaning we are not like spiritual chameleons. Ben, when we go out into the world that we blend so well that the world can't distinguish us between the world. Does that make sense? So we aren't supposed to stay camouflaged in, from any kind of spiritual, spiritual predator, excuse me, who might criticize us, who might hurt us, so we become afraid and become like the world. That is not our call. And that is what Paul is saying. How can you tell if you are a spiritual chameleon? Say that three times fast. But how can you tell? Well, here's a test. Ask yourself this. If you spent a lot of time with someone, outside this church, but a lot of time with someone, and you all of a sudden share that you are a Christian, they are shocked. They're like, whoa, I had no idea. We just went to the strip club. Anyway, but I'm just saying, like, I had no idea. If that person is incredibly shocked that you're a Christian, then maybe you are living like a spiritual chameleon. And Paul is saying, stop that. It's not worth it. It's actually terrible for you. Terrible. If you know anything about chameleons, we know this. That they are a level two pet. If anybody has a pet, it's a lot of work. You know, dogs, cats, they're the com- common household domestic pet. But chameleons, in my opinion, would be like a level two. And people who have chameleons always go to uh, forums, websites, uh, just to check out how they can take care of their pet. And this one particular website, yes, I looked at chameleon websites. Uh, this is all because of you. Anyway, but they, are, they responded with one sticky post, meaning they responded as a general post to everybody. They said, look, this is what everybody is asking. They're saying, help. My chameleon is very sick. It has this incredible growth. Something is stuck in its rectum. It's lethargic, etc., etc. And this is the common, common problem chameleon owners have. And this is their response. We have to understand that chameleons are prey animals. And when they are sick, they can hide it really, really well. Because a predator will get them. So by the time, as an owner, something wrong with the chameleon comes and shows itself to you, it's probably too late. You better get professional help. You better take it to the vet. But as a Christian, Paul is saying, stop copying the world like chameleons and start imitating God. You know, we are not prey animals. We are now in 
the house of God. We are a child of God like we sang today. And I can only imagine if God is the God who takes care of us and we trust in God, there's no longer any reason to fear, any reason to hide, any reason to shake, any reason to really quiver because we have God our Father who is with us. And that is why we are urged to pray. That means go to him, get to him closer. The harder life gets, then you better get closer to God. Because God is the God who takes care of us. God is the God who keeps this church. This is his. And so, do not be spiritual chameleons. And then we go on to point number two. Point number two starts off with a however in verse 20. However. Don't be spiritual chameleons, but however. And it says, that is not the life that you have learned when you heard about Christ and you were taught in him. And so now we go into this section called put off and put on. He, Paul, want, Paul uses interesting language here because he wants us to put off something and put on something. And it might sound a little bit awkward in the English language, but in the Greek, it was awkward too. Meaning that at the time, he was using language that was borderline making up new language. And people, people must have wondered exactly what he was getting at. But here is what he is saying. You have to take off or put off the former self, which is going to be corrupted. It's going to hurt you. It's going to kill you. And you need to put on Christ, which is life. You see, we are talking about instruction from now on. From now on, Ephesians is about instruction. But don't you see, right before he gets to the instruction... He talks about putting off and putting on. Why is that important? Because without knowing who you are and without putting on Christ, all instruction is vain. It's gone. It's futile. I'll give you an example. I taught kids for a while in this church as a pastor. And we have motivators. I used to work in the stock market and we know what motivators are. What are the prime motivators and we used to teach people when we were trading um this when when the stock goes up like this this is greed this is greed and when the stock goes down like this this is fear so our two prime motivators in the stock market this is what we teach our fear and greed so when people are greedy they buy 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 when people are scared they sell 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 right and when you teach kids that our natural instinct is to use these two motivators. Do you see that? Fear. You don't do this, I will punish you. You will get in trouble. And I'm a very scary man when I get angry. And kids listen. Or greed. Hey, why don't you memorize these Bible verses and I will give you some Awana cash. I want our money. Here's five shares. And you could see our leaders. Uh, I used to not just teach them, but I had youth group as leaders to these young kids. And they would try to bribe them as much as they can because they didn't want to use the whole fear mechanism. So, oh, come on, just memorize this. I'll give you five instead of the one I'm supposed to give you. And you see all our, like, like I didn't know. I knew. But you see all of these kids just giving away, like, shares. And at the end of the year, 
this one kid would have like 300 shares. It's like, how is that possible? We don't have anything. They could buy the whole store. But um, these are the two motivators. And if those are the motivators that we use, is it successful is the question. If it is that motivator that motivates us, I will tell you right now, we will collapse. We will fall. People are always just shocked to hear that American society and American culture is, are, are, is like there's a moral degradation that's going on. People are shocked. But I got to tell you, I'm not that shocked because what were the motivators for our morality? What are the motivators for your morality? Do you not do things just because you're afraid to get caught or you do things just because you feel like you will be rewarded? Don't you see? If these are your primary motivators, we shouldn't be shocked that American morality is going down. People were shocked, I think, first in American society, not not in the sexual revolution in the 60s, but I think... It was uh, the Vietnam War when people lost faith in its leader, Lyndon Johnson. But after that, you could see a turn in its culture of people slowly, slowly turning away from its authority, turning away from people teaching them things. And there we see this anti kind of uh, institutional movement. But now we see people just making up their own rules, saying this is moral. This is moral. This is not moral. So how do you know what's right and wrong? How do you know what's right and wrong? Do you get it from social media? Do you get it from TV? Do you get it from your friends and peers? Do you get it from your schooling and education? Do you get it from the Bible? See, we as a church, we stand together and we're saying... We get it from the Bible. Our instruction comes from God. We get it. No matter who you are, you get it from someone, somewhere. And the response could be this. Oh, don't worry. Don't worry about Christianity. Because just all you have to do is live a good life, do your best, and you will succeed. See, that's morality without the gospel. And people have been trying to say that and preach that. You see it in different forms, especially from our young people, because you haven't lived long enough yet. But we see that. But here is the response to that. If you have that as your moral standard, then the question is, what happens when you fail? What happens when you fail your own moral standards? There is always no solution if you do not have Christ. This is what we are preaching. You can have all the moral standards you want, and you will have it. You will get it from somewhere. What happens when you fail? The gospel teaches us that when we fail, it is God that picks us up, gives us the strength to continue, encourages us, and even more so, empowers us with his Holy Spirit, so that we can succeed the next time. So anytime you feel like you're falling, what the Bible and the gospel is teaching us is reach out to God even more. Get more of God in you. Pray harder, yes, but look, the reason why we're saying pray harder is so that you can reach out to God and seek God first. 
And that is what God, I believe, is teaching our church. Now, there is a kind of subversive, um, very underlying, very underground, I should say, um, motivator above fear and greed that people might not get, and that's pride. Pride is one of the most dangerous ones because pride will make you hardened and pride will make you closed to anything else. Give you an example. Remember, a child, we can motivate through fear. We can motivate through greed. We can motivate them through pride. You can tell them, oh, we don't do that kind of stuff in this church. Oh, lying and stealing? Our family does not lie and steal. We are not the kind of family that would do these things. And it's very subversive, but it is a pride motivator. And when you teach in that way, this is outside of the gospel, when you teach in these ways, what happens when you fail? When you fail, you become hardened. You become angry. You become bitter. It's because of the world that I failed then. I hate the world. The world is messed up. The world is at fault. Everyone else is at fault, not me. But you see, of all these motivators, Paul is saying, put it off. Take it off. And uh, I, when, when I was reading this, it reminded me of an old 80s movie. Some of you weren't born there yet. But it was called The Karate Kid. And... Uh, he was getting bullied, so he needed to learn karate to uh, defend himself. So he, uh, he found this uh, teacher, Daniel, found this teacher, Mr. Miyagi, and he would just make him do menial tasks. So there was one task called wax on and wax off. So he would take the wax off, and then he would take, put the wax on. And you have to wonder, what, in, in even, even these menial tasks... You always have to take off something to put on the new one. You can't just say, I'm just going to slap on these in addition to what I know. Because it doesn't work that way. When you have old wax on, there's still cracks and crevices that are going to form. And the rain will get in there. And the elements of the, of, of the weather will get in there. And it will start rusting. It will start deteriorating, deteriorating your paint. So you take off that old wax. And then you start putting on a new wax. And that new wax will cover... And protect the paint of your car. And then who knows in the future Mr. Miyagi might give you one of his cars. Probably not. But what I am saying is we need to wax off first. So Paul is saying the same thing. 2,000 years before Mr. Miyagi, Paul was saying wax off. Put off the old self. Whatever you thought was true and right. All these things that you grew up with. What the world is teaching you. Take it off. And what do you do? You put on Christ. You put on the word of God. You put on his teachings and say, let Christ wash over me. And let me follow him. And watch if you don't fail. You can't, honestly. Because that means God is with you. And God will see you through the end. That's what the word says. See, when we are new, remember, this is not we are just nice or we are going to do better from now on. That's not what Christianity is about. Last week we said it's not about just doing more mercy. It's not about just worshiping more. It's not about these things that we do or becoming nicer as people. It's becoming new. We are new in Christ. 
So when we are new, your eyesight changes and you start seeing that there is beauty in following God. Do you see it yet? And take off the old, put on the new, and start seeing that following God is beautiful, it's wonderful, it's freeing, and start imitating Him. In verse 25, it says, Stop lying. Verse 26, it says, Stop sinning in your anger. I love that line because if I, I looked up, I look up the Greek, and in the Greek, it's like, you will be angry. That, it's, the, it's the passive presence. So you will be angry, but don't sin. It's not saying don't be angry, but don't sin in your anger, right? Verse 20, it says, don't steal. Verse 29, no more unwholesome talk. That's a struggle, especially if you're in the workplace. Verse 30, says, don't grieve the Holy Spirit. What does that mean? Don't grieve the Holy Spirit means whenever God gives you a conviction, follow it. If God is convicting your heart even now, take that first step and follow it. And you'll see that you have a whole world open up to you. I can't, there's so many numerous examples about this. But even our brother who went to Indonesia, to Korea, had a conviction and he decided to follow it. And then it's life changing. If there's a conviction in your heart, follow it. And we have a lot of need out there. Meaning even in Kazakhstan, we have people that are desperate to learn English, to learn math. And they don't have anybody to teach them. Here we are in this country. And it's like this. You can learn it so easily. I don't know, isn't there like a YouTube program that you can just learn math in now? And there's like this great program that people look up. It teaches you all the way up to calculus. And we are privy to so much information. But here people are clamoring for any kind of teaching. And you have that opportunity to step up. Just three weeks. And you could change someone's life. Maybe multiple lives. And if that conviction comes into your heart by the Holy Spirit, then step up. Number, uh, verse 31 says, no more, no more malice. Uh, that's a hard one for me because I always like flipping tables. No, I, I don't. But um, all these instructions, all these things, how can you do them all? You can't do them with the old self. The old self, it's impossible. But with the new self, it is possible. So when Paul says, put off, the old self put on the new he is saying you need to rely on the holy spirit to change you from within and when you see that change start walking in that faith don't just be like god change me i'm gonna wait till you completely change me but he's gonna start changing you and you start walking in that faith so here's my last uh my last point Put off the old self where fear, greed, and pride controlled you. Put on the new and have your minds renewed and let's start imitating Christ. Amen? Let's ask God to help us now. Let's pray. And let's just lift up a prayer. Just as we have learned today, 
we want to start imitating Christ. And for that, we need God's help. But we want boldness. We want courage to step out into that faith. So won't you lift up a personal prayer on your own. Lift it up to him in your own words. And give your life to Christ. Submit to him. And he will bless you. Let's pray. God, once again, we come out here before you, remembering the things that you teach us. But Lord God, as we are reminded, we are also convicted to move out in the instructions you give us. And for that, we confess we need your strength. We need your power. We want to be bold. We want to be courageous in the world. We don't want to be spiritual chameleons. But Lord God, we want to live for Christ. We want to show the world that you are a God of love. And Lord God, you stretch your hands out to them as well. So Lord, use us, use our lives. Help us not to just stand for the truth, but help us to stand in the truth. So Lord, be with us now. In Jesus' name we pray.